to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker, and I here to tell you, if you haven't heard yet, which if you haven't heard yet, I'd be shocked because you're listening to a, a pretty niche hockey podcast right now, but uh, the playoffs are going to begin on August 1st, barring, you know, life. Uh, if, if anything happens, who knows what, you know, what'll actually, if that'll get pushed back. But right now, all we have is August 1st, and I'm sticking with August 1st. Uh, I believe training camp starts on the 13th. That yeah, right? that's correct. July 13th. And we're finally going to have something to freaking talk about. <laughs> It'll be great. Until I, then, because there's still really nothing to talk about other than ridiculous rules like having a club compliance officer just following you around. They like literally have hall monitors for uh, their phase four. <laughs> hall it's monitors. actually amazing. Like, go and read the... The, uh, the there you can download the PDF at NHL.com for the phase four and like all the little things that they have to be checking for con- uh, constantly. But there is a league facility hygiene officer. So there's that. That's who the club compliance officer has to report to. He watches people shower basically by 10 p.m. local time. <laughs> he has to report that they've completed all their different screenings. That's fantastic. It's amazing. I love that you call it a hall monitor, though. <laughs> that, yeah, well, that's the best way to put it. He's, yes, the NHL hall monitor. monitor. Uh, okay. We know that the league's coming back. Obviously, we know there's there's COVID stuff. There, there are players who have COVID right now. They tested positive. Uh, I I know that at one point it was reported that Austin Matthews had, had tested positive by Damian Cox, I believe. In Toronto, and the Leafs came out and when asked about his condition, they said, uh, "Yeah, it's none of your business. We're not telling you whether he tested positive or not, and you don't actually know if he did. It's just none of your business." So, I, I guess, I guess that's like, I guess we're not going to tell people which players tested positive, even though we're totally willing to tell you if, like, oh yeah, don't yeah, Austin Matthews had a. Uh, a, a twisted testicle. That's why I can't play tonight. But he's not going to say I tested positive for COVID nineteen. That's weird to me. But yeah, yeah. I, I you think for the league being so like having so much clarity on what they're going to do in terms of all of this stuff, like you think at least this one little aspect of it, like who has it? Because you could have like some. I mean, granted, yes, teams are going to have to stay in this bubble, but I guarantee you, there's going to be some guys that maybe you know get into some shenanigans or something along the ways. I mean, yeah. boys will be boys, right? So. Um, you think if they at least come out and say, you know, oh, this guy had it, then you can have, you know, maybe another player, security guard, whomever, be like, oh, crap, we went out and did this, but nobody knows, so maybe I should go get tested. Right. So right. a little bit of clarity in the, for this, that. This is what, this is what I, I'm very curious about. So there's a, there's a potential that during the first uh, two, well, three rounds, we'll count the preliminary round as a round, so there's going to be five rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs in the conference finals and the Stanley Cup finals, everything as of now will shift to Edmonton. So you've got three rounds with you know several hundred players, uh, men who like younger men who are all trapped inside of a bubble together. You're not you can't go and see your family, your girlfriend, whoever it may be that is your significant other. I want to know how that's going to go. There are going to be, I, I can guarantee you, there are going to be more fights than you can imagine. <laughs> there are going to be some pent up people. I, I was going to say, that is, like yeah. that is just real life. <laughs> people, boy, I mean, look, you. 
I mean, we hear about it in real life, right? I mean, during all the lockdowns they had in all the states, divorce rates going up, right? Because people in close quarters for so long, not getting any space, like shit boils over yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, well, don't I'm just get me. saying that like no sex is gonna. Well, yeah, there's that too, you know. That, um, yeah, I mean, let's let's. Just I guess be honest, you're hoping that uh, you know you you can you know they list out like here's all the individuals on your quote unquote team that your team like the employees they can have joining you in the bubble. I I mean, I guess you're you're really there. Maybe you can get your wife hired as the massage massage therapist or the chiropractor or there something in there. Then she's in the bubble with you. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what you got to do. Or go make friends with the one content creator slash social media individual. They're going to be popular. There All you right. go. <laughs> All right. Uh, on the show, the rest of the show, now that we've just, you know, taken it to hell, uh, we're going to rank the top 10 American-born players. Top 10 Americans all time, we'll say. Uh, you don't have to be born in America to be American. So we're going with like, hey, these guys played for Team USA or whoever it may. They were they are American, whether they're born in America or they, you know, had dual citizenship. And then they decided we're going to play for Team USA. And they did for their whole entire career. Uh, that's cool with us, too. Uh, if you haven't heard our other episodes where we rank the top 10 players from Oh, Finland and uh, who else do we do? Sweden? Sweden. Czech Republic? No, we didn't do Sweden. We did the Czech Republic and right. Sweden. Oh, Finland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we also did all the all 31 teams and uh, you can go back and listen to those. Just subscribe wherever you're at and you'll be able to find those episodes or go to othockeytalk.com. They're all on there. We generally do a just missed and I feel like I have a lot of people who just missed my list. Like a lot of guys I wanted to put on here and to be honest... I actually thought about making a like a top ten for goalies and then a top ten for the rest of the guys, like or like a top ten per position. And maybe we'll have to do that later. Uh, it's a little harder with Finland and Czech Republic. There's, I think, there's you know once you once you get to the bottom of Czech Republic and like Bobby Holik's on your list, and you just missed Vaclav Prospel, and you know Finland, I just missed uh, Oli Jokinen, like. These are not Hall of Fame players that are just missing my list. But there are definitely some uh, potential and Hall of Fame players who missed my list for Team USA. So it's just a bigger clump of players because there's more Americans and they've been coming to the NHL for a lot longer. So with that said, yes, please. <laughs> uh, Apparently, I haven't talked enough today. So uh, let's go. You're just missed. Okay. Um, I've got a pair of forwards and a goaltender and then i've got two goalies that i tied at number 10 so whichever i'm gonna let you pick which one gets the 10th spot mark and then whomever is the odd man out is gonna obviously be on my just missed as well okay. um, so just missed i've got jack eichel austin matthews and mike richter and Keith Kachuk. I'm sorry. Throw his name in there, too. Okay. So, All right. And Keith Kachuk. All right. Yeah. I, I feel like Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews, these are guys that in a, in a couple years will probably have a good opportunity of breaking in this list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd especially if they especially, get some hardware. Especially Austin Matthews. Well, I mean, you look at Jack Eichel, the season he had, everybody's talking heart sure. trophy potentially. And sure. so, you know, when you start adding up hardware, and I think obviously Austin Matthews is closer to a cup than Eichel is at this point. So, um, I yeah. I know. <laughs> well... No, and, you do. As long as he's in Buffalo, you yeah. do know. Yeah. And then uh, Mike Richter, of course. You know, we talked about him, too. Uh, 
strong uh strong america he was on our rangers list yes he was 10 rangers uh that's that's the other hard thing is that like some of these guys i mean they're so good they're they're like top five on their team but then (laughs) they uh they don't make that the american list um yeah i think a lot of people probably be surprised then who's on my who's on my just missed uh i i also like i i really on my list right now there's only one active player so I really didn't include many active players. Uh, I, I'm sure that Austin Matthews can make this list eventually. Same with Jack Eichel. But for now, I'm leaving them off. I just don't. They just don't. I mean, both of them have like under 500 Small games. Small resumes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Way under 500 games. So um, the only other active player I considered was Phil Kessel. He is 50, uh, 14th all time in, in points as an American-born player. And he is 12th all time in goals. Just not not enough though to to get him over the hump of some of these other guys. And yeah, that's my oh sorry. So my just the rest of my just missed. <laughs> I have Tom Barrasso on my just missed. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah, and I also have Jonathan Quick on my just missed. Okay. Two like two guys that I was like, why? Like how how am I going to leave them off my just missed? This guy that like Jonathan Quick basically won a Stanley Cup for the LA Kings, right? When I looked at his regular season numbers over the course of time, and the amount of you know, all right, you know how he uh, how he stacked up in terms of like where he was at in Vesna trophy trophy voting, and yeah, he he had some really nice seasons, you know, where he's third in Vesna trophy voting, fifth, he was second, he was eighth, he's seventh, ninth. Obviously, he's a good goaltender. He never won the Vesna though, uh, so. Yeah, I just I just kind of left him left him off the list. I th- I think that his success came more because of the team style in front of him, and honestly, once they changed the pads, he was much less of a player. <laughs> he he kind of you know took his, took a little step back and became somewhat of an average goalie. Goalie. I mean, the last two years he's been subpar. But. Right. Yeah. And Jack Campbell's obviously been which which yes he's on a bad team, but. You just said Jack Campbell did took fine. advantage of it. Yeah, he did fine on the on the bad team. So, uh, so he misses my list. And Tom Barrasso, I mean, he won a Vesna, he won a couple Stanley Cups. His numbers are just rough. For it's the time. hard for those guys in that era. Uh, yeah, I, I feel know, bad the, because the goalies in that time, it's it is hard. I mean, he did he he was certainly like he, I mean he was in his first four years. He won the Vesna and was four, second in Vesna Trophy voting twice, and then he was second later on and third a, f- a few years after that. But he just he really didn't have I don't know it just it's the those numbers even even once you once you start pushing up into the era where uh, I know that he was an older older goal t- goaltender. I mean his best year was ninety seven ninety eight when he was thirty. Uh, 32 years old in terms of goals against other than I guess his second year of two six seven, but uh, he had a two Oh seven goals against with Pittsburgh that year. I mean, that was, that was a great year, uh, but he only played. Oh, he played 63 games. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's that, that was kind of his like hurrah year with really nice statistics. The rest of the time, I mean, some years he's in like the eight sixes, the eight fives, the eight eights in terms of save percentage. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I know it's it's the '80s and things are crazy, and uh, but I just felt like there 
he also was on a phenomenal team. <laughs> yeah. He gets playing on Buffalo, more Pittsburgh. Once he was on a really good team and winning the Stanley Cup, his numbers really didn't get much better other than his wins. So, I don't know. I just left him off my list. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I also do left Brasso and Quick off my list. They didn't even make the cut for me because I'm I'm kind of like, you know, where you were with Quick. I you know, granted he did win a con smite and he did. I mean, basically backstop a team to the Stanley Cup and put this team on his back. But I think the system in front of him helped a lot more than I think with some of these other you know players and um, you know especially when you look at whomever Mark chooses for my number ten. You know, I think they had more. They were more instrumental in the success of the teams in front of them than I think maybe Jonathan Quick was for the LA Kings. Okay. Uh, well, let's. I'm curious who's <laughs> who, who's going to be on this. All right. Uh, so <clears throat> both my guys I have tied at ten. You get to pick. One of them has one Vesna. The other has two. However, right. the one with one has a longer career. So we've got Ryan Miller and Tim Thomas. Okay. All right. Right. Both guys who missed my list. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I thought about Tim Thomas. Um, just didn't really play long enough, I, I guess, to like push off some of these other guys. Sure. Uh, and Ryan Miller is the all-time leading uh, most wins, wins, most wins in U.S. history, and second most games played behind Van Beesbrook. He, he never made it to a Stanley Cup. That was the hard part. He made it to a, I think a couple conference finals with the Sabers. Uh, so I mean, obviously, that's not. It's not like it was entirely his fault that that was the case. I just I have a hard time picking Tim Thomas though. Okay. Uh, I I think it warrants, you know, having the most wins ever as an American born goalie. Uh so I'll I'll go Ryan Miller at number 10, I think. Okay. Sorry Tim Thomas, you're out. Tim Thomas on the just miss list for Justin. <laughs> All right, you're number 10. Well, my number 10 was now like since we're sticking with goalies, uh my number 10 is John Van Beesbrook. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, he is, you know, he, he had such an interesting career. He's a second, second all time wins for, for team USA, uh, played on some, eh, some lesser Rangers teams through the, through the eighties. There's a couple bad teams on there, but he finally, the team starts to get better in, uh, in 1993 and then he gets taken by the Florida Panthers with the first overall pick in the expansion draft. So he's the first guy taken. He's a Mark Andre Fleury. Goodbye, John Van Beesbrook. The year that he starts with the Panthers, he finishes with a 21, 25, and 11, and that's ties. No OT wins in that, that day. Uh, 25, 21, 25, and an 11 with a 9-2-4 save percentage. And this is in 1993. Like this is not a year where that is paltry. He's he's like up there leading the league in in save percentage, and he's on a terrible terrible team. He had 55.6 goals saved above average, which is seventh highest in the history of the National Hockey League. I actually looked it up because I was, you know, like, all right, who has the highest? Yeah. Who has the best season for goal saved above average? It's Bernie Perrant in 73-74. He has 73 goals saved above <gasps> average. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. How many wins is that? Quite oh the season. Gosh. But 
he was so so good so instrumental in getting like players wanted to come to florida because of Beezer. Like not not just the fact that he was a great goaltender, but he also was a great dude and so uh, that that helps as well. But third in Hart Trophy voting and he was a four games under 500 wow. in that year. Uh he also was fifth in Hart Trophy voting in 85-86 when he won the Vesna and was the first on the first team All-Star. Uh he could dominate like like hardly any other goalie could uh i yeah he just happened to play on some bad teams and got shuffled around but i really i think that he is one of the best americans to ever play the game uh he also in the playoffs just in 22 games in the playoffs in uh, 95 96 when the panthers Went to the Stanley Cup Finals, got swept by the Avalanche. He was he had a nine three two save percentage, eighteen goals saved above average in twenty two games. Not On average, shabby. he basically was saving an extra goal every single game, uh, which is on par to his regular season where he had fifty five to fifty seven games. So uh, he had some probably the best, I, I think, some of the best seasons as a an American born goalie. Uh, never won a Stanley Cup. But I'm definitely not holding that against him. <laughs> so uh, not too often that a goalie is in the Hart Trophy voting. I know that goalies have won it, but very, very it's few. Tough. Very yeah. few, and no, no American goaltender. So that's my number number ten. That's a good pick. That's like I the like longest it. number ten ever. Yeah, well, it's worth it. That's I right. liked him. That's right. And and by the way, uh, he isn't. He is actually not in the Hall of Fame, but he should be. I agree with you on that one. He definitely, he absolutely should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, give it time. I mean, he's, look at... He's the only one on my list not in the Hall of Fame outside of my one active player. Okay. Who, who obviously can't be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> let's go to your number nine. Uh, number nine, uh, Jeremy Roenick for me. Okay. Um, you know, growing up in the in the 90s watching hockey, uh, he was pretty much what I thought of when, when I would think American-born players. He and another yeah. D-men were always kind of the first go-to guys I thought of when I thought of Americans. They were tough to play against. They kind of had this power forward-ish type style to them. And uh, he was a goal scorer. I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, a lot of people, I, I looked at a lot of other lists and, you know, I, I saw him higher on a lot of people's lists. Yeah. But I will yeah. say the one knock for me is, you know, he came out of the gates and he was hot, right? I mean, he obviously had his first year 20 games, but after that, he came out and, you know, he had four straight seasons of 40-plus goals and, uh, you know, 94-plus points in four straight seasons and, in Chicago. And a couple years in a row with 50-plus. Right. Yeah. And But after that, it it's not like it kind of the bottom fell out, but it I mean, he he wasn't producing at the same rate. Yeah, you yeah. know, and obviously he had some. He had a pretty good Chicago team at the time to play with. Uh, you know, goes to Phoenix, and um, you know he hooks up with Keith Kachuk, another American who you know made my just miss, but um, you know wasn't as dynamic. And I think maybe that was more to the the defensive style the game was starting to develop, and maybe he just couldn't adjust. But I mean, all in all, he was still a well-rounded hockey player. He's fourth all-time in scoring for American players. The guy was hard to play against. He went hard every single shift. And for me, he's my number nine. Okay. Yeah, I have him at number eight. Okay. And I have Keith Kachuk at number nine. So uh, the reason I put Roenick a little ahead of Kachuk, I mean, he did. He had a, a longer career, uh, slightly longer, uh, 
many more points. And I also thought that he, like, Ronick could skate. I mean, he had some white skates. I don't know if you've seen those pictures. Oh yeah, white skates. I think playing for the Flyers, he definitely had white skates. But I think he might have had he might have had some for the Blackhawks. I don't remember. But uh, he, I mean, where where Kachuk was your like hard hard power forward. I I think that that Ronick bumps him a little bit. But uh, I think almost like one of those six and ones. Would you take Kachuk and Ronick? Sure. Welcome, welcome, Phoenix Coyotes into the league. Uh, both these guys, I mean, they have been on some lists together. For the, I think for the Arizona Coyotes, they were both on our list. Uh, I, I, I could switch them around and, and wouldn't really care too much. Uh, for my sake, they were almost identical points per game in terms of how much they played, and uh, I just, I like, I think I'd rather have Jeremy Roenick as a player than Keith Kachuk. But maybe that's my like recency bias, wanting the faster player right now because Keith Kachuk, no way in hell could he play in the NHL now. <laughs> he would be <laughs> very, very slow. Uh, but Keith Kachuk, I mean, the one thing he, the one thing that uh, he maybe has on Ronick a little bit is he did have a couple years where he was up for the heart. He was at least like in the top ten. Oh, we had one year where he was tenth in heart trophy voting. Uh, he was second team all-star a couple times, uh, whereas Jeremy Roenick w- never was. I mean, he had the, the most, the highest he ever, he did have one year in 91, 92, where he was fifth in Hart Trophy voting, uh, and I guess 10th in another, but he's, neither of these guys really were up for a lot of trophy, and and like the, the team all-star, I mean, once you, once you get beyond the, like the original six where, okay, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, there's only six other guys who could be on that list or like six other teams with players that could be on that list. But I think when you have no years where you're on even the second all-star team, that means that at no time were you considered one of the top six forwards in the NHL. Whereas Keith Kachuk was a couple times. So, okay. Uh, there's that too. I guess I should have Keith Kachuk above Ke- Jeremy Roenick. <laughs> I think I did. And I switched the two of them around a bunch. So I mean, you can't argue with. I'm switching one, them around. So. Keith Kachuk, wow. you're going to number eight. Wow, Ronick dropping to number nine on the fly. Can you on believe the it? Fly. Let's uh, let's go to your number eight. Number eight. Since I uh, hogged it. Yeah, the, the top scoring defenseman of all time for American players, and top four all time for any nationality born defenseman, and that is uh, Phil Housley. From all right. Third all time in scoring, just in general for American born players. Yeah, just in general. Like I said, uh, this guy obviously never won a Norris, which is just weird for me, considering how dynamic of an offensive skater uh, and playmaker he was, especially um, you know early on in his career. In terms of when when we talk about eighties, you know, in Buffalo and uh, you know Winnipeg when he played there in the early nineties, you know when there was a lot of offense going around, he was so dynamic. Um, the, I mean, the best he really ever finished in terms of the Norris voting was He did go third, third one time. Yeah. In uh, got 91, top five. 92. Yeah, top five a few times, but, you know, that that was pretty much it. And that's why I, I couldn't put him any higher than, than this. And, again, I've, just like JR, I've seen a lot of lists where I mean, he's I a mean, lot what, what are you going to do when, you're, like, you lead <laughs> all defensemen in scoring by far in, in uh, what, 90, 93 he had 97 points. The second highest was Paul Coffey with 87. Right. Uh, and Chris Chelios wins the wins the Norris by like by a landslide. He wins the Norris. So, I mean, I guess on, on in some respects, uh, he wasn't considered to be uh, 
the best two way guy. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, he did play. I, I will say in his defense, he did play in a lot of teams where they weren't. I don't want to say good, but they weren't like you know one of the top teams in the NHL at the time, right? They were never really like real serious contenders. I know you know playoff wise, you look at it. He he never really played more than ten games, but once, and that was in ninety seven, ninety eight with Washington. And outside of that, you know, his first year in Buffalo, they played ten games, and that was it. Playoffs wise, you know, he never played on teams where they were serious contenders right. for the cups, right. and so maybe that hurt kind of you know his. Um, and I'm not sure how the voting was back in the eighties and nineties. Uh, you know, for the Norris, if they voted before the playoffs like they do now, yeah, they, yeah, but, they did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that, I mean, that that might have hurt his, his chances a little bit. But this guy was dynamic offensively. He was just a great skater, a great passer. Uh, you know, he he saw the ice wide open, and he always made plays. And so for me, he's my number eight. Okay, um, let's go to. Well, my number seven is actually Phil Housley. Okay. So we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll stick to uh, – you can go ahead and just roll right on to your number seven. Roll it. Okay. Number seven for me is the first American player uh, – first American-born player, I should say, to score 500 goals, and that's Joe Mullen. Okay. Yeah, right winger. He's not on my list, actually. Okay. Wow. I mean, I – There's you know what, so – I've seen – yeah. I mean, here we go. I'm looking at this list, and I'm like, okay, so who who else is not on his list because – yeah, uh, yeah. This guy, a three-time Cup winner, two-time Lady Bing winner. This guy was about as gentlemanly as you could in the '90s and '80s. Yeah, you know, for the time. Uh, you look at his penalty minutes. I mean, he had some seasons where he had four, six, six penalty minutes. And again, where there's constant hooking, constant slashing, like to have that few penalty minutes is is yeah. pretty impressive. Two hundred and forty-one in a thousand sixty-two <laughs> games. That's actually it's actually amazing. Yeah, it really is. That's Pavel Dazuk esque yes. in my opinion. Yes. Uh, for for those who you know have only really watched the game during this era, but um, you know again he had a lot of success in Calgary, uh, put up some good numbers there, won a cup, goes to Pittsburgh of course, and then hooks up with uh, you know Yager and Lemieux and does some good things there. And what a what a great complimentary scorer he was because obviously you knew who knew how right. dynamic you know Lemieux and Yager were there on the ice and then you forget about it oh wait we've got this other guy Joe Mullen who again in his mid-30s was still a freaking good point producer and so you had to worry yeah. about him too when he was out on the ice and that just made you know Pittsburgh all the more dangerous especially you I mean, know he had his he had his the most points in his career when he was 31 years old. Right. Yeah, you, you think 10 points. Yeah, guys like that. one goals. You'd think in their 20s would be more dynamic, but obviously, you know, he, he's, I mean, he's, like he, I said, he's first to score 500. Too, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he uh, certainly a dynamic goal scorer. I believe he was, was he like a, a first overall pick? Um, Boy, that's a good question. I got to take a Was peek. he not drafted? Because what I'm looking at is showing that there's no drafting thing on here, but I'll look that up. That's right. Yeah, you look that up. I'll uh, I'll toss over my number six. Uh, that is the Hall of Famer, ninety four ninety five Masterton Trophy winner, and uh, you know for my money the the best little guy to ever play. That's Pat Lafontaine. Okay, the all time leader in points per game. My for number five, by the way, the U.S. In uh, 865 games, 1,013 points. He made a few of our lists. Uh, I I don't know if he did. He make the Islanders list and then the the Sabers list. I think he made both those for me. Uh, I mean, almost 500 goals in 865 games. Like obviously his career sh- cut short because of injury. And if he hadn't have had those injuries, you know what what could he have done? I mean, he probably would have been the most. I mean, the most prolific. 
yeah. point producer yeah, for I mean, US. 148 points in 92-93. Uh, 53 goals. He also he scored he scored four over 40 goals six uh, seven times, I'm sorry. Uh, that's that's incredible. And he actually I mean he scored 40 goals also when it like started to not become as cool in 95 96 <laughs> yeah. like he actually managed to do it when you know you weren't supposed to uh even in the year that he won the masterton i mean it, it, he only played 22 games that's actually this it's strange you know you see a guy win the masterton and barely play any of the season but he comes back at the end there and he has a really nice 22 games 27 points in those those games and unfortunately after he scores 40 goals and 51 assists in 76 games in 95 96 he only plays a total of 80 games the rest of his career and and uh, writes it off with uh with the new york rangers so uh, i mean a nice what a season to retire like 62 points in 67 games and then you just have to call it quits so uh i think he's definitely one of those guys that you wish we could have seen more of uh, we didn't but i do think that he is Truly one of the best American-born players of all time. Okay, yeah, I won't disagree with that. That's why he's a spot higher on my list at number five, just jumping this guy at number six. And I had a hard time, too. I I flip-flopped these guys a couple times, but ultimately I I just kind of thought what would have been Pat LaFontaine's career had he had the longevity of the guy I have at number six, and that's Chris Chelios. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chris Chelios, you want to talk longevity, (laughs) he's got it. Played till he was 47 with the Atlanta Thrashers. I mean, ridiculous. This this guy was probably the most fit hockey player I've ever seen in my entire life. I just remember seeing him on a bike in the sauna. <laughs> just like, oh yeah, after after practice, I go on the bike and go 45 minutes in the sauna at the same time. At just the same like time, in a hoodie or something like that, like <laughs> in one of those sweatsuits. You know, it's just ridiculous. I mean, okay, so we know obviously he. Captain Montreal, captain the the Blackhawks, three Norris trophies. This guy, I mean, and three cups, right? And not to mention then seven time All Star, just a ridiculous career. And it's funny because when you think about five time All First All Star, yeah, that's that's impressive right there. And it's and, funny when and you he think did it about, as a forty year old, right? <laughs> yeah, he was he was pretty good. Um, and it's weird to me because when you think about like, oh, you know, what team do you think about when you think about Chris Chelios? And most people probably say the Blackhawks. Well, he actually played the most years in Detroit. With the Red Wings, yeah. Which is just so yeah. weird to me. Um, but obviously towards the end of his career and most of those, I mean, he was playing third pairing minutes because obviously, you know, he's in his 40s at that point. And, you know, you got guys like Cronwall and Lindstrom ahead of you in the lineup that are going to get more minutes at that point. But still, I mean, Frick, he was still playing 16 minutes a game at 45. So that's, Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, I definitely have him higher on my list. I'm surprised that you don't, but that's okay. Okay, yeah, I just, I really had a hard time with the guys in front of him. And again, like I said, my number five, Pat LaFontaine, I just flip-flopped these guys constantly. But the four guys ahead of him, I just, I couldn't do it. Okay. I, I didn't want to just because of, I mean, the guy at number four, he had one incredible year that just made me say, okay, this is, I want this guy at number four. So. All right, all right. I guess I don't have him significantly higher, but he is he is <laughs> higher. Um uh, all right, well, let's go. Uh, oh, your number five is Pat Lafon. Yes. Okay, so let's go your number four. All right, number four is Brian Leach for me. Um, probably, in my opinion, the greatest defenseman to ever be an American. Uh, I don't know how long that'll last. You know, there are some, some good American defensemen out there now. So um, my question is, you know, how long is he going to be considered the best? But um, And then some people might not even 
consider him the best. I mean, if you look at his stats, he's eighth all-time in scoring for American players. But, I mean, still, 1,200 games, he still racks up over 1,000 points. There aren't very many defensemen who have 100 point seasons right <laughs> and he is one of them yeah and then i mean you want to talk about a banner year right obviously he's he wins the cup in 94 with the rangers gets the consmite and gets uh you know a couple norrises during his tenure too but i mean 94 was just an incredible year obviously the regular season 79 points in 84 games but for me what i i mean 34 points in 23 games as a defenseman in, in the, the playoffs, playoffs yeah is ridiculous i mean that I, I remember watching the Rangers a lot, and I, obviously I didn't watch them live because I was just a little bit too young at that point. But I've rewatched that playoff run so many times, and it was just it was ridiculous what he was able to do. He just he commanded that whole entire race. And you think about like obviously a lot of people look at Messier and what he was able to do because he that guarantee he goes out, puts story, the hat yeah. trick, yeah. and yeah, he's the story. But he was never really like. Brian Leach was the quiet guy that just controlled everything. He yeah. quarterbacked everything, and you you didn't really notice it, but. He did it. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, that's why I have him higher on my list. But, okay. Uh, my number five is uh, actually he's probably higher on yours is my guess. He's the second highest scoring American born player of all time. And next to uh, our buddy Chris Chelios and Matt Cullen, who did not make my list, but is the second most games played in the NHL as an American born player is Mike Madano. Uh, fails to get fifteen hundred because Mike Babcock had a huge. <laughs> he's a he's a tool. Uh, Five hundred sixty-one goals, thirteen hundred and seventy-one points. Uh, Mike Madano is. I mean, he was everything to that Dallas Stars team. Uh, I mean, he was what taken by the Minnesota North Stars and played there for four years, and has a, a great start to his career. And really, I mean. What better player to have on your team as your you know your first overall pick? You move to Dallas, and of course, first year he scores fifty goals. He has his best season of his career with ninety three points. Uh, but he definitely learned to play that defensive style of game later on when you know <laughs> Ken Hitchcock comes and <laughs> here we go. Who knows how many of those how many of those uh, like oh this player is better at defense now or was it just that they played a system and they actually did it like, right <laughs> they, I'm sure they had the ability to do it all along they just didn't uh, but yeah he he was a much better player under under uh, Ken Hitchcock in terms of defense and he, I mean, he's still scoring over thirty goals he had so many thirty goal seasons and uh, could always could always score uh, what five hundred and sixty one goals. Phenomenal player from Livonia, Michigan, which is actually where we record from. So, yeah, and uh, I Mike can't Mike Madonna's hometown. Yeah, and he was born in Westland, I believe yeah. it was. Well, yeah, they've got the uh, the lovely Mike Madonna Arena in Westland. I've skated yeah. there quite a bit. It, it needs some upgrades, so Mike, uh, why don't you open up the checkbook? Yeah, okay? let's go, bro. I assume <laughs> he's higher on your list. There you go. Uh, not that much higher anyways, but yeah, he's number three for me. He's number three, okay. Yeah. Wait, so who is your number four? Number four was Brian Leach. Brian Leach. Okay. Yes. So my number four is Chris Chelios. Okay. Yep. So I go Madonna at five, Chris Chelios at four, and then I've got Brian Leach at three. Okay. So I'm I'm nudging Brian Leach a little bit in there. Even though Chris Chelios did win, he does have the most Norris trophies out of any defenseman born in the United States. Sure. Uh, I'd also say that he probably, uh, you know, he's he's got probably the most hardware out of anyone uh, especially when you consider those all-star 
votes that he has. But yeah, uh, I I, don't, I think you could flip flop. Brian Leach and, and Chris Chelios are like the complete opposite players. Yeah, one had grace and one had grind. Chelios's best season was forty eight points. His second best was 40 when he was 40 years old for the Red Wings. I mean, Brian Leach had a 100-point season. Completely different players, but both very effective and both were known for being great defensemen. And so I I think go ahead and just say they're tied for third. There you go. That's what I'll say. Okay. Which takes us into our... My number three. Your number three, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike Madonna for me, comes in at number three. Okay. I wanted to put him a little higher, but... um, he doesn't have hardware. He was never a first all-star guy. Um, he was consistent, though. I mean, that's that's the great thing about Mike Mondano is you knew what you were getting day in and day out. He was, you know, he'd consistently give you an 80-point season every year. Um, you know, he played the game so well at both ends of the ice. Except when he went to the Red Wings. Well, we won't talk about that. <laughs> He was 40. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was back during the time when the Wings liked to pick, you know, guys on their way out like Daniel Alferson and give them a shot right, at the cup. Right, and. Yeah. Uh, didn't work out too well, but again, I mean, he had a run of just these string of seasons where 93, 93, 80, you know, one. Just, again, consistency constantly, you know, up for the Selkie, Lady Bing, um, you know, only made the second All-Star team once, but, and again, no hardware to go with it, and, and you know, just the one cup, and I think that's, you know, really why he didn't go a little higher on my list. Yeah, yep, same. Um he does make an appearance in Mighty Ducks, though. So. Which was great. Yeah. <laughs> was it the second one? That no, it was did? the first one. It was, it Gordon was Bombay first. takes the kids. They were actually, yes. it's funny, because they were, the movie takes place in Minnesota. Yep. They show up to the rink, the quote-unquote Minnesota North Stars rink, but all the guys from the Stars are wearing Dallas Stars jerseys, pretending to be Minnesota North Star that's players. That's right. Yeah, that's it right. It cracked they me up. had just moved. Yes. We'll have to. Uh, that's that's a great story about how the the Minnesota North Stars moved to Dallas. Uh, very sneaky. Yeah, maybe you should have gone to San Jose instead, but <laughs> they probably shouldn't have sold season tickets for the following year. Um, <laughs> num- okay, now here we go. Number two and number one. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, this is where my active player is. I assume that you might. I do have an active player on here too. <laughs> so we have the same top two. It's just a matter of what order we go in. Uh, I'll give you who is your number two, number second two. best American-born player. Uh, Brett Hall for me okay. comes in at number two, and right. obviously Patrick Kane is number one on my list. Patrick Kane first overall. Wow, that's that's high, very high praise. I actually I have the opposite. Okay, I have Brett Hall coming in at number one. I mean, no one, no one is touching seven hundred and forty-one goals. Like the only one who might. Is Alex Ovechkin? <laughs> well, he probably yeah. He Alex will. Ovechkin will will top seven hundred and forty one. But in terms of American born players, I mean, there's no way Patrick Patrick Kane's not gonna touch that. I mean, obviously, no. he's no way. Definitely more of a he he can score goals, but he's a playmaker. He's got that playmaker ability. Uh, Austin Matthews, does he have the the ability to go and like score fifty goals? I mean, Brad Hall had eighty six goals and he. Had, there's some insane seasons that he had. Uh, I just I don't think anyone will ever top his most goals ever. He's got the most points ever. It's going to be tough to have to get basically 1,400 points in your career. So for for my money, I just think Brett Hall is so good. Two time Cup winner. He won the Bing. He won the Heart. He won the Pearson. 
I know that Patrick Kane also, I mean, we're splitting hairs here. Go go ahead, give me either guy. <laughs> but Patrick Kane, he wins the, the Calder, the Hart, the Art Ross, the Pearson, and the Smythe. Uh, also, Brad Hall would have won the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy had there been one. So That's very true. also that. Yeah, um, again, I can't argue with you with whomever you put at number one or number two in this this instance. I mean, we know what you're getting. Obviously, the goal scorer with Brett Hall and the playmaker, the flash with Patrick Kane. And to me, I just love Patrick Kane's dynamic ability. He just he can do anything on the ice. And, you know, to me, Brett Hall wasn't necessarily just a one-way street, but he was mostly goals. I mean, let's just be honest about it he I mean granted I'm still put up 500 assists you know plus assists in his career so not too shabby he, he uh, would have he would have won the the goal scoring leader three times okay had, had there been one so. yeah um three years in a row <laughs> in in three years he scored let's see it what uh oh my gosh my math is just all of a sudden it's okay you want me to do it for you 228 goals there in three go. years that's insane the only the only one to have more in a three year span, I think, is Gretzky. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, but man, you, I mean, you talk about dynamic players. Both these guys are just so much. We're so much fun to watch. And so, to me, I, I the only maybe reason Brett Hall maybe goes down a notch in my book is because I still hate that he scored that goal against Dominic Kashuk. Uh, <laughs> although you know that was a stupid rule Actually, to begin with so. it is i i didn't even think about this but both of them have a stanley cup winning goal they do. in overtime yes there are very few players who have stanley cup winning goals in overtime and uh they are they are some of them both of them a little controversial Actually, you know, i mean you know who else has an overtime goal in overtime also american is jason arnett that's for true the Devils. yeah forget about that a lot of americans scoring uh, boy yeah, I still remember Patty Kane's goal against uh, Michael Layton, and nobody thought it went in. And it, to me, it's it's weird because the when you look inside the net, the puck is clearly in there. There was no like contest, like oh, is it in his pads? Did it sneak in? I mean, everybody's just standing around, like what happened? You just take a peek inside the net, and it's there. And there was just so much confusion. Uh, it just cracks me up. But it was like the worst celebration. We just won the Stanley Cup I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I, I'm looking now and. F- for what I, from what I can tell, uh, they are the three American-born players who have scored Stanley Cup winning goals in overtime. There are very few. There are four, eight, 12, 17 people have done it. Uh, I don't think Alec Martinez is American. Oh, he is. Alec Martinez is American, too. That's true, yeah. The last four are Americans. <laughs> Crazy what you find when you, you dig it up. That's fantastic. That is that is pretty fantastic. Well, there's your top ten Americans. Not a bad list. Yeah, definitely uh, an enjoyable trudge through memory lane, I guess, is, is how you'd see it. Yeah, I wish I could have put more goaltenders I, on this list. but I would like, I think, in the future to take probably like some of these some of the the, te- the countries that have had a larger array of players play there. I know that like like Finland has probably like now if we took maybe in 15 years we could do this for Finland and uh, Czech Republic's kind of slowed down a little bit in in sending players to yeah. the NHL the way that they were in the, the 90s. The Swedes have ramped up and but it would be fun to do Top defenseman, top goalie, top top forward from oh. some of these countries. So maybe okay. we'll, we'll revisit in the future. Uh, I mean, how to do the top ten from Canada is going to be insane. 
So yeah, and I we'll I gotta say though, US, I would love to do the top ten goalie list. That would be fun for me, I for sure. We will, we will make sure that. Happens. All right. Uh, well, let us know what you think of our list. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Until then, you know, watch, be watching out for uh, for training camp starting on July thirteenth. We'll like what kind of coverage there's going to be of it. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be let in to. You know, send stuff out. It'll obviously be this one content creator that each team's allowed to have, but there's got to be someone in the locker, like someone around who is going to be covering these teams and sending out stuff. So we'll see what happens. But next time we speak, there will be real, actual things happening. I can't wait. (laughs) I can't wait. You guys have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you when the NHL training camp returns.